What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. All right, today's Monday, and we're going to be doing a really awesome episode this week. We're going to be doing an interview with uh, Ifke Van Berkler, who is the director, co-director, uh, alongside of Bram Rosa, who did the Zangadeeks Lives, or Zangadeeks. Uh, it's actually the character of an embryo deity god. In a movie that we're going to be talking shortly after that called The Johnsons. So you might have heard us talking about this. I've been super excited to do it. We had an amazing interview. I had a really good time hanging out. So I hope you guys stick around for the interview and then us talking about the movie directly afterwards. No, there's really not too many spoilers in the in the interview. So you don't have to worry about that. But uh, how have you been, Brittany? How's your birthday celebration? It was nice. <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot? You're like, God damn it, I didn't do as much as I... What'd you do? Well, I went out Friday. It was like a sort of birthday party, you I out, guess. You went out Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're doing yeah. a little, little dance, by the way, guys. Yeah, I've rolled my shoulders. Um, it was like an impromptu thing. It's a club night or whatever, and I usually like plan something, and this time I was like, hmm, it's already club night. Everyone's going to go anyway, so let's just pretend you're all here for my birthday, because I don't feel like planning. <laughs> so, Did you drink a lot? Yeah. Yeah? A lot. Yeah, you told me you took off on Saturday for that. Yeah, so, well, we were going to go to... Well, I wasn't sure if I was going to go out Saturday or not, because it was St. Patrick's Day, and I tend to not want to be out of my house. Yeah. Because people are crazy. Um, <laughs> or suck. Or suck. Yeah. So, I don't know, but we almost, we almost went out, because... It was shadow play at Rips on Saturday oh, night. Yeah, I, I like that night there. I like Rips, and it's close to my house. It's but, pretty kickback and nice. Uh, instead, Mouse and I just watched movies in ER the entire day. ER, really? Yeah, I love that show. All fi- <laughs> all fifteen seasons are on Hulu. Mouse never watched it, so if you guys want to see the real horror story, that's <laughs> seriously, this is the best fucking medical drama that's ever been made. They don't make shows like that anymore. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then Sunday I went to I had a girls' night with Jenny. So we yeah, which you went to a metal band. Which we band? Watain. Watain. That's metal. right. We went and saw Watain and Destroyer Six Six Six, or just so, Destroyer. Yeah, but. I mean that's cool. It just sounds very uh, stereotypical. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're, you know they're I mean? really good though. They're more like thrashy. I like thrash, but actually. yeah, I do too. But it, I mean, to me, it's like I like my thrash metal thrashy, and I like my black metal black metal yeah. you know what i mean like and they're like in the middle of that and it's oh. interesting but it was really cool i, I like them a lot it's the first time i've seen them well you kind of have to be a hybrid these but days right? i've seen watching 
every time they've played here over the last like six years. So right, I love that fucking band. But yeah, I was my whole plan. I took Monday off work, and I was like, I'm gonna get shitty drunk, and Jenny and I are gonna have a good time. Blah blah blah. I didn't have. I had one drink at dinner, and I didn't drink the rest of the night. I was really? completely sober. You went to a metal show. I went to a metal show sober. Wow. But I think I like was on the verge of having an anxiety attack when we got there. You should have had a drink so, at that point. Yeah, but I didn't want to because I was like, I think I'm going to pass out. I'm just going to drink water. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I just drank with water. Wow. I drank a lot on Friday. It was enough. My liver was angry. So that's <laughs> fine. And then Monday I stayed home and I watched The Johnsons. Ah, yes. So. I've been, I've been doing ER. a little bit. I did. Uh, I did. I went out finally to go see Annihilation, which we were oh, super yeah. excited for. Um I have a feeling it's not a bad movie, but I have a feeling it's one of those movies you probably watch again and it'll be a little bit better. It's it's interesting. It's a sci-fi thriller, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Alex Garland loves to do, like, a female present movie. Uh, he's very supportive of that in the industry. Um, I thought... I don't know. I was a little. I was a little let down. I liked it. It made me think afterwards. That's how I know it's a good movie. But I, I just think that I wanted more action and like crazy stuff. But it was beautiful. Oh, it yeah. was really beautiful. That's what I've read about it. Is that it's like visually stunning, and I'm like, well, I'm sold because that's I love that. You know that's that movie that everybody was like all crazy about the chick that plays Lois Lane. But that mm-hmm. chick, you know what I mean? That other movie with the aliens where they like try to communicate with them and stuff that everybody was going nuts about. I wasn't a huge fan of that movie either, even well, though... I don't even know what movie you're talking about. I can't think of it. I'm sure our listeners know what I'm talking about. But that movie is better than than this one, I think, in some respects. Arrival? Maybe it was Arrival. I, I don't know. it is. I don't know. Whatever. I watched that. I was a little disappointed. Both me and Christina were like... <laughs> I turned to her at one point and was like... At the very end, I was like... What happened? <laughs> and she just started laughing. <laughs> she was just like, "You're funny." <laughs> <laughs> uh, she makes me feel good. Um, She's pretty great. I also have been playing a lot of uh, the Sea of Thieves on PC, uh, which is a pirate game. Awesome. And I've been th- throwing out my best pirate you accent. Yeah, yeah. So you're plundering the booty. Dude, I'm starting to try to, like, I'm hearing the songs in the in the game so much <laughs> that now I'm starting to, like, freestyle pirate sing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is, you know, fair to Midland results, you know, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but um, but yeah, huh? Yikes! Yeah, I know. <laughs> we watched a bunch of different stuff though this week, and I've just been, you know, I don't know. I've been watching ER. <laughs> that's yeah, what, that's where my hey man, am. that's what you do to relax. You gotta watch life. something. But anyway, yeah. I think it might be that time, Brittany. Happy birthday to me! Horse shots. All right, guys, so we're back to do our horror shots, and today we're going to be doing a horror shot themed around sort of both the documentary that uh, FKID did and also for the movie The Johnsons. It's basically a in the movie, there, as we mentioned earlier in the episode here, there is a embryo baby deity, deity that <laughs> is sort of like waiting to destroy the Earth through... 
it's a long story. We'll explain it later. But let's just say there's a baby in an embryo egg that is cute and adorable. Old man baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in the movie, it's kind of like a fetus. So it's like a it's a God's or Satan's fetus or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, but we thought it'd be kind of interesting to do a, a fetus sort of shot, which is a funny story I have about this. I suggested to Ifke if she wanted to come up with, like, help us come up with the shot. So she actually helped name the shot, and we kind of came together on an idea. So this shot's going to be called a Zanga Dixie Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so based off the embryo god, Zanga Dix or Zanga Deeks, depending. If you listen to it in the movie, they say Deeks, but there's no word apparently in Holland or out there that has any kind of dicks in it. Like, yeah, but they, they say do it both ways. Yeah. So we actually uh, put this whole shot together and it's a really interesting shot. It's a jello shot, guys. So what you're going to want to do is you're basically going to use strawberry jello, like an entire packet. You put in four cups of water. Two of them are going to be hot. So you mix in the jello like you normally would. Then you put in two cold cups of water in there and then you pour about a half a fifth of uh watermelon vodka in there (laughs) and you also mix in about a quarter of that so it's like almost an entire fifth in these shots by the way um of of vodka (laughs) so um but you mix that in right and as you're doing that i took about four strawberries in the mix and I put them in a blender, cut off the, you know, the green shit. And the then, <laughs> yeah, because nobody wants to eat that. I mean, I guess we could have and wouldn't have known any better, but well, you'd know. I, you want to put a little bit of water in the bottom of the blender, too, just a little bit, just so that it has something to kind of blend into. And just like a cut, like a, like a tiny bit, like a couple or more spoons. vodka. Yeah, I thought about that, but I don't know why I didn't, actually. (laughs) But you mix it all together. Like, you take the blender and mix all the strawberries with a little bit of water in there, and then you pour it into the regular vat of the Jello mold. And then you stir that all together, put it in a cup, a Dixie cup, by the way. You have to do this. (laughs) And what you have here is what looks like some sort of fetus jelly. (laughs) And it is delicious. (laughs) Sort of yeah, it looks uh, it's delicious, actually. It is really good. We did try it beforehand, but we're going to do it live here now, too. So, uh, in fact, I had about four of them, and it got me kind of buzzed pretty quick. <laughs> like, I don't normally feel anything. You got your you got your spoon, Brittany? I do. Now, these aren't going to be easy to just... You could squeeze them in your mouth, probably, <laughs> but I just don't like leaving the remnants behind, so... You can't slurp them very well. Right. I mean, I guess you could probably, if you, like, separated it from the sides with the spoon, you could do it. I'll try it. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. I won't be a quitter like Alex. I'm, no, I did it. I'm going to do it with you. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? What are you talking about? You have to separate from the bottom, too. Yeah. Well, these I, have been sitting out a little bit longer, so they're soupier. Are you ready? Yeah. Ready to suck on the fetus jelly? Giggity. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it's not easy to swallow like a huge chunk like that. Oh, gross. This tastes delicious. That was just weird. Yeah, because it hit your throat? Yeah. (laughs) No comment. Big old lump of jizz. (laughs) So we're going to do two, actually. Brittany's got another one. And honestly, guys, these are fucking delicious. The little extra strawberries that you chopped up 
or blend up and put in there, they, you know, eventually the jello mold and everything like that, it'll like rise up because, you know, it takes like four hours to let these sit in the refrigerator. Stupid jello. To let it like firm up. And then, uh, but all the strawberry bits pretty much stay at the top. So it's kind of like, it's kind of good. It's really good. Mmm, <laughs> fetus. Dead babies. Mmm. Hope you guys are enjoying your lunch. I think that watermelon is like a really good extra touch. Like it blends with the strawberry like really good. But yeah, guys, if you guys want to try out one of these Zanga Dixies, all you got to do is go to our longlivethevoid.com to check out our hashtag horror shots right now. And then come back, of course. <laughs> While Brittany's sucking the fetus out of the cup. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, that's it for our shots. Our shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Ifka Van Berkler. And you're going to want to stick around for this because we had a really good time, guys. She's really awesome. So stick around. We'll do that interview right now. <laughs> Today, we have a special guest with us. That's Ifke Van Berkler, who is the director of the several shorts like Zombie Love, which she also wrote, Iggy Goes to Hollywood, and All the Single Ladies. She's also a documentarian for the film Pepe and a documentary of the movie The Johnsons that we're going to be watching this week called Zangadeeks Lives. Welcome to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, Ifke. How are you you. today? Good. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for coming on. It's been, uh, you guys that are listening now, we've had a lot of fun back and forth uh, (laughs) online. One of the things that made me crack up, by the way, was when uh, you said, uh, what if we did an aborted fetus or a fetus shot of some sort? And I said, well, we've already done two. And I just started laughing because I realized how ridiculous that was. <laughs> no, that is awesome. That's, that's what that is. <laughs> but you did come up with the name for our shot this week, and that is I am going to be doing the Zanga Dixie. Yes. And we're going to do a, a shot, maybe a jello shot with strawberries and some stuff, I think. So it'll oh, be interesting. Yep. That, that sounds great. That sounds like I should have it as well. <laughs> Well, if I can make it for you in the morning, (laughs) just to have a jello shot, no big deal. (laughs) It gets the spirit going, you know, the Xanga Dixie in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also to let you guys know, part of the reason that that this uh, interview is happening with Ifke is that on November 19th, I did a an article on Xanga Lives because I found out through looking for the movie The Johnsons that they actually had a crowdfunded documentary where they were trying to raise, I believe it was 10,000 euros. Yes. And they raised the amount of money to make this film, and that's why we're meeting today. So after a few months now, we've been uh, waiting to get together. So... <laughs> Uh, but uh, you've been involved with film for at least eight years now, and I'm sure probably even longer. How did it all start for you? Oh, God. 
I can't even remember. I think it was just always there. Like that's something I needed to do. I needed to make movies. Yeah. Uh, and I like grew up watching them. Like my brothers would. I have two older brothers, and and as long as I would promise not to talk through the movie, I was allowed to like sit silently in the corner and watch whatever they were watching. Uh, so I probably definitely watched a lot of things I shouldn't have been watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always starts, you know? Oh, exactly. And then eventually, you know, they, they moved out and I was still in the corner watching movies. And that, that really never changed. Now, eventually I moved. Uh, I'm from Holland originally. So I moved out to L.A. to come out here for film school. And that was like in 03. Uh, and, and since then, that's all I've been doing. Now, was there a particular genre that kind of pushed you towards doing film? Um, I think musical and fantasy. Like ah. those were the like I think the Neverending Story and like the Dark Crystal I have watched more times than I can I can remember. That's awesome. Yeah, those are great movies. They're they're yeah they're they're also looking at them now they're very fucked up for kids but they are amazing. <laughs> we got away with a lot more back in the day I think. We did. I missed that time. I like wanted to back. <laughs> it was more raw. Yeah. Not yeah, not and, catered. And yeah. Yeah. No. And I still yeah, the the feel of a puppet is still so much better than like the CG look. Now are you trying to get some puppets in something at some point? In time maybe for I another short I would love to yeah that would be great <laughs> I know that you did direct uh, the zombie love which is actually a short film musical yes uh, about the story of Dante a 200 year old zombie who falls in love with another mortal girl now was this this was your first project that you actually did as a short film was this in uh, in school or directly yeah. after it yeah this is my thesis project oh okay uh, yeah so it's one of those where where you know I, I went to an art school which was was awesome and I loved it there but it was very much like you know find your voice and find what it is you want to do and then first I wanted to do a whole bunch of pretentious shit and then I'm like you know what I just really want to have fun and like I don't care if people are gonna like it or not so we ended up doing like a zombie musical and like throwing buckets of blood and having them sing it was great that is great and you know that there's this other movie that's coming out from England I think that uh, is doing the zombie musical I wonder where they got the idea from are they really yeah oh I know Disney's doing one, which is also weird. They're doing like a, a straight to TV, like like High School Musical, but then with zombies. What? Yeah. Is this a, from Disney? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. It's interesting, <laughs> though. But they still look like I think they're like nuclear zombies. So I'm not sure if they're if they really you know died and came back. Uh, hmm. And I doubt they'll eat like humans. Oh uh, yeah. But still, it's it's a zombie and he's singing. They eat toxic waste. <laughs> and just to be safe, you know. <laughs> well, so this was your first idea, though. I mean, uh, what made you choose? I mean, obviously, we know that you like musicals and then obviously <laughs> zombies, too. Is that is that pretty much why you picked two of your favorite things to do your thesis? I, actually, I think I'd seen one zombie movie before I started. Really? OK. Yeah, because I'm scared of everything. So it took me a very long time to get into horror. Okay. Uh, and, and that movie literally launched it for me. Like, I, I felt like I needed to at least watch a few for research. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best ever. Like, I need to watch way more of these guys. Well, since then, <laughs> what have you found? Like, what's one of your favorite uh, zombie movies? I, I, I love Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Um, and, and, and maybe even more, I love Shaun of the Dead. Okay, yeah. Uh, the way that movie just plays with the zombie trope is just genius. Right. Yeah, no, it is a those are both great choices. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Dawn is definitely one of those ones that's like, you know, more uh, social, political, like everybody yeah. wants to shop and consume in some way. Exactly. So. I love that. It's it's in a mall. Like the setting is so good. Way ahead of its time. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> also, have you seen uh, The Girl with All the Gifts? Yes, that's actually a really good movie. Yeah, I read the book first and it's it's different than the movie, but it's also really, really good. 
Okay. Yeah, I kind of heard that the book's always better. They always say that. <laughs> I think the guy wrote the screenplay and the book at the same time. Really? Yeah, okay. which like blows my mind. Uh, I can't even get one of them done, let alone two at the same time. Right. Uh, but yeah, he uh, and I think like whatever he couldn't put in the book, he put in the screenplay and, and vice versa. Wow. Obviously, you're also a fan of documentaries. Uh, you've yes. done a big one called Pepe about a 12-year-old boy in uh, Lima, Peru, who was dealing with cerebral palsy. How did that yeah. come about? Like, how did you get started with that? And what was the inspiration on that? Uh, I was actually hired to shoot a documentary on REA, which is a, um, a foundation in Lima, Peru, that helps kids with um, physical handicaps, and oh, especially okay. from poorer parts of Peru, and there there is a lot of them. There's a Dutch organization that, that helps them out a lot, and because it was their anniversary, they wanted to make a documentary about all the work that they were doing. Um, so I went there and then filmed and, and directed that, and then I met Pepe. Uh, and kind of like fell in love with him. Like this is this boy. He's he's been dealt like literally the worst hand you can have in life. Like he's from the poorest parts of Peru. He has cerebral palsy, uh, but he was just constantly smiling, and he had such an incredible loving family that it just really you know hit me. Yeah. Um, and so and then I ended up coming back to Peru and shooting more with him, and then making the documentary out of that. Yeah, I have yet to see it, but it looks really good. So it was yeah, it was it was one of those where it's like you're you're laughing and crying the entire time. At least for me, making it. I don't know if it has the same effect as people watching it, but it's just like his strength is 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 super inspiring. Right. Uh, and you also come back home and you're like, why am I like complaining about all these ridiculous first world problem things? Right. Yeah. Makes you kind of think about that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah it does. It's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to definitely see it. So I'm definitely going to check that out. It is online. So you can see it. You actually have done a lot of different shorts and things. Are you uh, working to do maybe something in uh, a feature film? Yes. I mean, we're always always trying to get features off the ground, but they, they cost a little bit more money than shorts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I have a, a, a sci-fi heavy metal uh, kickboxing musical that I really want to make. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Are this you is serious? where all the, the hair metal inspiration comes from. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You know, I think that yeah. would do really well. I hope so, and I would love to make it. Um, it's just like it, it's a very hard one to pitch, and it's a very hard one to get money for. <laughs> uh. So there's this metal band. <laughs> <laughs> They're kickboxers. No. And then they go into space. I'm like, okay. So the setting is in space. Now, do they go to other planets? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, um, uh, kind of like the Three Amigos and also Galaxy Quest, which I actually saw after I wrote the script. Oh, that's great. Um, so it's like they're this metal band on Earth. And then unbeknownst to them, there's this planet in space that is a huge fan of them and thinks that they can help them destroy you know, the evil aliens that are attacking them. Oh, wow. um, so they to that planet. And of course, the whole planet looks like the cover of, of a hair metal uh, album. So everybody has like the big hair and the weird outfits. And um, so, yeah, that's why it's also expensive, probably. <laughs> Whoever's listening and whoever has the power, make this happen, because <laughs> I want to see it now because <laughs> I love the sci fi thing. And me and you, before we started, we're talking about some hair metal bands. Yeah. Uh, just before we got started. So, no, so those are the big inspiration for it. <laughs> that sounds great, actually. So are you working to do something with that now? Is there like actual script already done or? Yeah, script's done. Wow. Uh, and I'm just trying to trying to see if I can I can get it off the ground anywhere. Oh, you better let me know about that if something happens. <laughs> yeah, that, I oh want man, an exclusive. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would really like that. That's like uh, I would so getting love the studios to do, to do that, though. It's like they don't get it. Uh, it's it's imp- like I've I've had a few 
like meetings where you'd go in for another pitch and you try to push this one as well and it just it doesn't land they're like uh yeah no yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) really really uh interesting story but not for us yep but yeah never gonna i think like one producer read and he said like this is one of the best scripts i've read in years but i don't know how to market it so we can't get it off the ground have you thought about doing like a crowdfunding sort of thing for it if you could get a short film done of it I, I I don't know if I can do it as a short. Like again, like when I saw the whole Kung Fury thing, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. But he already had a lot to show for, mm-hmm. uh, and so I feel like I should shoot some of it first, right? And then mm-hmm. see if I can maybe use that to. Um, but haven't haven't fallen got, gotten even there yet. Like first of all, I need a composer to do the the songs. Right, uh-huh. and it definitely have to be some sort of metal of some sort. Well, that's that's the thing, you know. I, I, you know, as long as the scorpions keep touring, they're too busy. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you could find somebody that could do something that's along the same line to make. Yeah, it. it's it's exactly it's like that that eighties hair metal sound. Yeah, it's tough because like if you're going to do something, ultimately, if you could do a project that big, you'd want the scorpions to be a part of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> but I want that for all my movies. Like that's not just this one. Well, maybe you can like at least license some of the music. Right. I know it would be expensive, but yeah, especially for like scorpions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, this it would be it, yeah. It's like the dream project where you're like, oh man. I would seriously no, like. No. I love the idea. Like, I really would love to watch it. And with the success of something like, uh, like you said, uh, uh, Kung Fury, yeah, like it could fall in sort of not necessarily the synthwave world, you know, like that, but just in that style, sort of in a way. Yeah, I think it would be great. So, <laughs> obviously, you have to be somewhat of a fan of the movie The Johnsons because you did a whole documentary called Zangadeek's Lives. Can can you tell us a little bit how that came about? I know it was also co-directed with Brom Rosa with you. Yeah. Uh, how did that all come about? It, it started with him. Um, like he, I think the first time he saw the Johnsons, he was eight, and it was kind of one of those things where the babysitter was watching it, and he snuck downstairs and watched it from behind the couch, and it like completely traumatized him. <laughs> um, but like in a way that it also started his love for horror. Um, so then he realized that the 25th anniversary was coming up, and he wanted to do th- something basically just to thank the people for making it. So he thought maybe it could do a little mini documentary. Uh, and we are both affiliated with the same magazine called Shocking News in Holland, which is a cult magazine. Um, and he contacted me because he's like, hey, I have these two guys in New York that I want to interview, but I don't know how to do. I basically he's never made a movie before. And he's like, and I have no idea how to get to New York. So do you maybe know anybody or, you know, can you help? And then I saw what he was doing. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to desperately help on all of this. So can I just be a part of it? Uh, and then we started doing it. And like the whole the horrible thing for him was that he had in his mind like a little documentary between five and ten minutes. And then I came on board. I'm like, ah, maybe 20 minutes. And like a year of our lives later, it's like a 50 minute beast. (laughs) Yeah, it's jam packed. It's actually really good. I liked it. Oh, thanks. (laughs) That's cool. So you guys kind of came together and uh, made that happen. And and even almost like like an hour almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I never I only saw the Johnsons, I think, like a year before that was the first time I saw it. Because I remember as a kid, I remember it coming out and I would always want to go walk by theaters and look at the lobby cards. Um, and there, I remember very distinctly the lobby card for the Johnsons was like the little bald kid with the like mouth harp and like his brothers, you know, painting the walls with blood in the background. <laughs> yeah. And all I'm thinking is like, I am never going to see this movie. This is terrifying. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, way in my 30s, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I'm old enough now. And you can uh, and handle it. Yeah. Exactly. Did like, it scare you when you watched it for the first time? No, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I can imagine it definitely scaring a child, though. You know, oh, that's it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Does this going to get released to the public, by the way? Like uh, we maybe, hope so. Like maybe Netflix, Amazon, or you know. I mean, something. we'd love to. We're we'll because we'll, uh, um, the the rights to the Johnsons lie with Universal. Ah. Um, so we're uh, talking to them about it. Ah, I start. I'm starting to gather uh, a hypothesis about maybe, and I don't know if you could say anything about this, but. Does this mean that we might possibly get a Blu-ray for the Johnsons sometime soon with your documentary included? We we hope so. We've been trying to to, to fight for the Blu-ray as well. But it's, the hard thing is it, it being universal. They're kind of you know busy with like the Fast and the Furious like two hundred nineteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's we're definitely trying to bug them and say like, hey guys, there's actually a demand. But yeah, no. If anybody out there wants to have the Johnsons on Blu-ray, like tweet or or Facebook or email Universal and say that you want it because the higher the demand is, the more likely that it'll it'll actually happen. Yeah, I think this definitely belongs with it in some fashion. And if not, at least we can see it on. <laughs> like Amazon Prime, Netflix, or even Shudder. Yeah, no, all of that would be great. <laughs> yeah, so um, now I, I got to also ask you, you in the documentary, you have a baby, the baby Zangadeeks. Yes. <laughs> with a lot of the people in the documentary. And I, where do I get one? And did you make that? Or was that the actual doll that Flora Scholler made? Or That is one of the actual dolls. There, there I think there were six or seven made in total. And there are three still in existence as far as we know. Yeah. So uh, Flora Schiller had two of them still. Uh, and he gave one to my co-director, who is now the proud father of, uh, of Xangadix. <laughs> <laughs> I would be very excited about that. I saw he had it in a case or something, or I don't remember. Yeah, it's in the in the movie. It's like in this weird crystal. But the crystal, someone tossed out the crystal, unfortunately. So uh. that, that no longer exists. Um, but yeah, no, so we had it. So we brought it to all the interviews and then we would like halfway through, we'd pull it out. You're like, Hey, here's this little guy. Yeah. It's weird because usually that kind of stuff gets old after time and it will, it'll like get hard. Uh, but I feel like it's made out of something different that's made it last so long. Yeah. No. And there's a little bit of, of like, I think one of his toes fell off at one point. Like there's a little bit of, of rubber that's kind of rotting. Uh, but you know, for, for an embryo demon, it's still doing pretty well. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, you brought that to as one of the perks for the crowdfunding. Yes, and you were taking pictures. You could take a picture with Zangadeeks yeah. at, at the at the the feature showing of the documentary, right? Yes. How did that go, and how was the response there? No, nobody bought that uh, that reward. Really? Oh, <laughs> I think they're all scared. Oh, they missed out. I would have yeah, done it. <laughs> But we had a, because Flores brought the other one as well. So we had a little mini expo during the premiere. So we had like, because my Coderick Bum also has like the world's largest Johnson's collection, uh, which sounds really weird when you say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think our listeners will appreciate that one. Uh, but yeah, so we, he has like a lot of like lobby cards, posters, you know, VHSs from like weird countries. Uh, and like we had all the original scripts. So we basically put those all in glass cases um, along with the two Xangadixes. That's awesome. Uh, so I think as long as there was glass between them, people were okay with, with taking their picture. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I remember, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but I remember them talking about in their premiere for the actual movie, there was somebody that didn't want to go to the premiere because... <laughs> Because the baby was there prominently displayed. Yep. 
<laughs> I just want to hold it. <laughs> it is just wonderful. No, and it's it's like weird. Uh, like Bram and I, we would. I think I had him over Christmas, like last year, because I was I was doing one of the interviews that he couldn't be at, and of course, the first thing I did is put him like give him a hat, give him like a, a glass of eggnog, <laughs> put him under the tree, and like Bram had him again when it was my birthday, and he'll send pictures with like Zangdix with like a party hat on, and it's like these. <laughs> I'm sure you set them up on tables to scare people or something. <laughs> I would have. I don't know. <laughs> I really want, wanted him to buy like one of those those baby carriages that they have like, you know, in the hangover oh, and like yes. put it in there and just walk around with it. <laughs> oh, who's the baby? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like that. Have you ever seen the movie um, uh, Dead Alive or Brain Dead? Yes. Yes. <laughs> when they go to the park. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Do they still? Do you guys still have the sculptures, the limited sculptures, the mini sculptures of Zangadix that you can? Uh, yes. Could I buy uh, one off you? Um, well, somebody else made them, but yes to that as well. Okay. Um, but uh, Bram knows the in and outs on that. Yeah, because uh, I'd be interested in buying it, and I'm sure like a few of our uh, fans might want to too. The guy who made it, um, he makes a shitload of ridiculously awesome critters and and sculptures, and he also did the um, in, in B-roll in the documentary. We have like shots of like uh, weird heads, sculptured heads in the beginning when we talk about the Jackson Whites. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he made he made those as well. Uh, which, in other words, like a friend favor of like, dude, do you have an hour to do something? Uh, yeah. And he just He's sculpted them. He's the guy from and, Dutch Outcast, right? Is that yes, what it's called? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he made little Xangadix as well. And his his other critters are like ridiculous too. Like whatever he posts on Facebook, I'm like, wait, am I following a friend or just something professional like ridiculous here? <laughs> yeah, I see he has the critters thing. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but let me check if I know there was talk of, of that because I don't have one yet either and I desperately need one. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. After all the work you put into it and all the passion. No, exactly. Like everybody wants a little Xangadix. Right, yeah. I mean I, I would ultimately I would love to get one of those babies, but you know, like the big ones. <laughs> I would yeah, just so you're gonna have to fight uh, yeah. That's um, almost um, next to impossible, yeah. Even uh, during the premiere, there's like the guy that plays the little boy love interest, like Peter in the Johnsons. And he has like these little glasses on. Okay. Uh, and apparently those were his childhood glasses that he just wore for the movie. But when he came to the premiere he brought them. He's like, hey, look. And Bram was like, that's a prop of the Johnsons. I need to have it. Oh, so wow. He just got him as drunk as he could and eventually made sure that he had the glasses. <laughs> that's great. So, like, so he really movie. is a mega fan, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm like the... the there's still a fake head left, uh, and he really wants the fake head, but I don't think that's going to happen because Mike, who did, who made the Johnsons too, like the little kid version, and who did uh, the music for Xangadix as well, he owns that head, and he's not gonna gonna let it go. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... yeah and I was full on obsession because the same thing, like the 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 ring with the seal that Dr. Johnson wears in the movie, uh, that's still in existence. Okay. Uh, and and I think Ram is tracking that down and is like not gonna let it go until he has it. Oh, man. So do you have any crazy stories of while you were shooting this documentary uh, with any of the people that you interviewed? Yeah, they were all just like really super awesome. Um, and of course, we only used like small bits of, of the interviews, but all of them lasted like around two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was kind of uh, kind of like a masterclass in filmmaking. Like everybody, we like people were full on excited to talk about their craft and, and how they, you know, the DP had like an hour that he was just dissecting shots. Uh, and we, we eventually couldn't use any of it in, in the doc, but it was so awesome just to hear him talk about that. Uh, and the same with the other people. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have a favorite guest on that you enjoyed uh, spending time with the most? 
uh, I, that's like, I don't actually have kids, but I feel like this is, you know, pick your favorite kid. I, <laughs> I, I fall in love with everybody who we interview. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so we kind of talked about this a little bit with like your favorite zombie films or anything like that. What do you think, what genre to you really kind of resonates with you? You said the musical one does, uh, yeah. but are you a horror fan now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Although I have to say everything still scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Which is great. I want to go back there. I want to go back to that time <laughs> where it did because I'm chasing it now. No, I, I still am very easily scared, but yeah. I, I also love watching it. And now it's like the best part is like now I get to like watch all the classics that I never watched, you know, growing up. Uh, and the beauty of living in L.A. is that they're very frequently still shown on the big screen. Um, so I think the first time I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like in, in a movie theater. Uh, and that was so awesome. Yeah, that's pretty visceral. Yeah, but still, like, that's, like, I think one of my other favorite horrors is The Shining. Ah. Um, there's not a lot of gore in that either, but I don't think I don't think I could have handled that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like bottled madness. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think about so your awesome. dad chasing you down the hallway. It's, you know, uh, it's crazy. We, we call that Monday on uh, in Holland. <laughs> <laughs> is it really that tough there? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, so you said that you were going to be trying to do this feature film. Are you going to be doing any other documentaries? Uh, yes. Anything yeah, you so can talk about? That. No, not yet. That's kind of the okay. problem. Uh, so there's one that's that's I was kind of inspired by by Xangadix. Like I loved doing that. And I loved diving into like movies and and in like Jodorowsky's Dune. I think is is ah. a fantastic documentary uh, that that we used a lot of inspiration uh, uh, from. And the same with like Lost Soul, the Richard Stanley documentary on the island of uh, Doctor Moreau. Moreau. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is also a really good doc. Uh, and so I would love to do something in, in that vein. Okay. Uh, and it, it's still like, had we had like three more months in a budget, we could have turned Xanadix Lives into a feature. Right. Um, but, you know, we I think we premiered in November, and that was like the last two months of that year that it was its 25th anniversary. So we really needed to get it done. <laughs> and when we were talking, uh, you were still working on getting some of the, the subtitles and such for it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that took a while as well. Like, you, you don't realize how much talking there is until you subtitle something <laughs> well and you had like how many people in that about I think like 17 yeah, yeah something like that it's ridiculous yeah two hours each people each person just about yeah. so that's a lot that of a lot of transcribing yeah. <laughs> yeah so they did it for each of the raw videos yeah, well, we did it because it was just us at that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, insane. No, and thank God we were doing it together. That at least you can, you don't have to do all of them alone. <laughs> uh, well, I know you can't talk about what you might be doing for the documentaries. Is there any particular <laughs> projects that you would love, like a dream project that you would love to do? Is it just the new movie that you want to make? Is that like no, a dream project? that's one of them. There's, oh God, I have so many of them. It's like you literally, you have so much and then you try and pitch it and then like 99% of what you do never actually, you know, gets made. Uh, so you always make sure that you have a lot and, and I have an insane amount. That's a, yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they range in genres as well. Like I have, you know, animation stuff I'd love to do, documentary stuff, uh, more musicals, horror stuff. Uh, like I'd love to do more horror in Holland because it's not something that uh, happens a lot there. Sure. And I think especially like the way that country looks, it's like, you know, we have the creepy castles and the creepy pond and like the marshes, like all of that is, is there. Yeah, it is a beautiful yeah. scenery for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would be perfect. Uh, it's just not really the, the, the genre for that country yet. But I, I hope that it's changing. 
and also we saw like how much love there still was for the Johnsons that that hopefully will help as well with getting more stuff off the ground. Yeah, I noticed in the documentary there where the director was saying how much trouble he had oh, uh, yeah. with the Johnsons after it was made because everybody yeah. felt like he sold out and that yeah. you know and that it was all about the money and not about the genre anymore or yeah. you know and the horror was too too low for his his caliber of direction. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, that is really weird, but I mean, I guess yeah. it is a different a different place out there a little bit. I mean, it is still the same out here. Yeah. You know, yeah. horror isn't at the the Oscars very often, although we did get, you know, like Get Out and that's kind yeah. of I kind of brushes horror, but it's not 100% horror, I would say. So, something like The Johnsons is uh, you know, a a, a fetus, an embryo god. Uh, that comes to life is pretty out there for something back then, I would say. And that's just that's just part of it. Like that's I remember the first time I watched the Johnsons, I was thinking, I'm like, wow, it looks like there have been multiple drafts of this script, and everybody added what they're scared of, but nobody took anything out. Um, and that kind of once we did the documentary, ended up being the case. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's so much going on in there. Yeah, and you know, it's it's after finding out about how it was going to be made originally. Do you think that you would love to see the original version of that? compared to this one i mean i i love this one like this one is what sure. got us on the whole track of of making the documentary i'd be curious to see the original one yeah um just because i i would you know i'd be curious to see what they would have done with it but i i don't want the one that's you know i don't want the johnsons to not be in existence basically right. yeah it's really guys once you uh you know we'll be talking about this a little bit more on thursday but we definitely want you, i i definitely want them to see your documentary so hopefully <laughs> Hopefully they can see it. So I'm curious to hear what you think of the Johnsons. Oh, what do I think of it? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I could kind of give you a brief rundown. I mean, I definitely enjoy it. I actually watching it again here recently. I actually found a bigger appreciation for it even before because I watched the movie and then I watched the documentary that you did after it. So I found a pretty big appreciation for it than I had originally because there's I think when I first watched it, I was looking for just weird stuff. Yeah. And it is, it does have that. <laughs> but yeah. but I think uh, I got more into the uh, storytelling this time uh, than I had previously, which it's crazy. It's kind of a little hard to follow along sometimes, but they, they do do a good job of distributing out the parts to you. Is that, I mean, how did you, I mean, you mentioned that you saw it for the first time. You were kind of like, wow, what the heck? So, I mean, were you, did you love it or did you, or were you kind of like trying to figure out what, how to compile all this or unpack it from the movie the first time you saw it or? I, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I won't spoil anything, but I, I love how the, the, the last 20 minutes or 10 minutes, it just takes a full on weirdness tour, uh, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> and also I love the fact that this was made in Holland. Like that kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, Cause like that, they, first of all, they had an actual budget. Like it, the movie looks really good uh, and they didn't skimp on anything. Uh, and just that they had that for a horror movie and that they had, you know, this director and that writer and then the cast that they had, uh, I thought was very, very impressive. Uh, and, and I just, just like the, like, there's no other movie out there like this. Yeah, no, it's true. There really isn't. <laughs> That's why in my article that I wrote about the, um, Zangadeeks lives when it was coming out, I was like, you know, the movie kind of reminds me, the baby reminds me of, uh, if you've ever heard of Shaw Brothers movies, which are like Asian uh, cinema films, which we're kind of covering this this month, 
the baby in particular, the prosthetic or the uh, the design of it and everything kind of looks like something you would see from this. So that's why I always felt that way. But yeah, and I, again, I love puppets. Like I love when creatures are actual puppets. What would be your your ultimate puppet film that you would make if you could? <laughs> are you going to put puppets in the uh, in the the hair? No, metal? actually, but I should. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something missing. You know, uh, you could put them in there. You could actually have like like real puppets and not just like some sort of uh, CGI stuff. I think it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, it would be. I still think the ultimate puppet movie is The Dark Crystal. Okay, so that's your favorite? Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited that Netflix is doing more of that. Yeah, it seems like uh, they kind of are. Yeah, Do yeah. You, no, I mean, anything Henson is, is just, you know, out of this world. Yeah, and the studio is still kind of going, so. Yes, they are. They, yeah, it's like when you drive by it, like Kermit's on, on top of the gate, like tipping his hat. And it just, it always makes me happy when I drive by it. Did you have the Muppets out there? Yeah, we did. Yeah, the Muppets and the Fraggles. Oh, uh, the Fraggles. Oh, yeah, my I gosh. Know, right? <laughs> I don't, I, the song just pops up in my head immediately. Like. Oh, it's the best. And the, the problem is when you hear the song, you have to clap along. <laughs> like, you cannot not do that. <laughs> Oh, man, I used to watch that. It was on HBO for us. Yeah. I always felt so bad because they're always eating, like, the, the, the poor builder skyscrapers and all that stuff. It's like, <laughs> these guys have been working forever, and they're like, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, it was kind of a very meta story because yeah. they were the gods of those little creatures in a way. Yep. And then there was also humans because they were kind of like the rats of those. Yep, and then you had the other three big, uh, big weird things. Oh, yeah. It's been so long. (laughs) Well, I hope that you add some. I hope you get a chance to do like your puppet film uh, one day. And maybe this uh, hair metal movie will make that happen. So I don't know. I'm really interested in it. I'm not just saying that. (laughs) No, I'm interested in it, too. I just need to, you know, make it. All right. So anybody listening, like I said, please make it happen. Well, I mean, we've uh, we've definitely uh, appreciate that you've come on here and spent some time with us, FK. Uh, and I appreciate that you've uh, been back and forth with me. She was so nice that she actually sent out a few uh, things to us to uh, show the support and uh, <laughs> spreading the cult of Zangadix. Yes, yeah, spreading yes, the cult of Zangadix. It's Zangadix, right? Or it's. Cause, uh, Xangadix. Yeah, was it? Okay, Cause, uh, yeah. because uh, Rocco said it right then in the yeah. documentary. Yeah, well, that's how, how we say it in Dutch. Ah, okay. Makes but sense. But then again, dick isn't a word in Dutch, so <laughs> we... <laughs> so it's easier to say. But the Johnson is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, the, the more you start to look at that movie with those thoughts in your head, the more it's like, oh, wow, Mushroom Men. <laughs> and it's like literally like the more you think of it, it's like, OK, that's yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> well, is there any way that they anybody could reach out to you if they wanted to? Like, do you have a social media like Instagram or anything that you want to share? Yeah, well, we have uh, for the movie. Uh, so we have Xanadix Lives, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Perfect. And we'll include those links for you guys below so you can check it out. And as soon as we hear, obviously, of any documentary being put out so that you guys can see it, we'll definitely let you know. I feel like we were like one of the only ones that got to see it almost on this side. That, that is true, actually. Is it? Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty special about that. I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. No, it's always happy when someone wants to watch something that you, you know, you made. Like we literally made this thinking like it's just going to be the two of us watching it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, you got a whole bunch of people over in Holland uh, to see it at least. 
Yeah, no, we were surprised about about that as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big showing out there, huh? Yeah, yeah, and then we did like that was the first the premiere in Rotterdam was like sold out, and then we did one in Amsterdam, and we had to like send people away, and there were like still people on the floor, and then eventually like okay, the fire marshal's really not gonna like this, so we just have to close it down. Oh <laughs> uh, wow, it got awesome. that crazy, huh? Yeah, it did. Wow, man. Well, I mean, I, I'm surprised that the, the fandom is as big as it is. I didn't think it was that big. So seeing this I documentary. Like, honestly, that, that that it surprised us as well, like how much love there still was for that, that movie. Yeah. And just in general, how much love there is for horror in Holland is also great to see. Because, yeah. again, I think like the fact that there's Exangadix out there in a theater school and that like teenagers still bow to it <laughs> is like mind blowing to me. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. I don't remember that in there. I remember the guy That's that the- had the name. Uh, yeah, and then the very, very end, like after that, you, we go to the theater school, and oh. there's like a guy who brings out Xangadix for Halloween. That's right. Uh, and then he he uh, he holds it up, and like teenagers bow to it, not knowing what the hell it is. I didn't so, you know, know what Xangadix... that was. Yeah, no, we didn't. I thought that was gathering. like you guys being weird. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> really did i was like what is going on here no that that is an actual possibility that that's that would have you know we are that weird i'll give you that i mean weird in a good way but i was like yeah this is weird like what is going on no it's like literally teenagers and like every halloween he brings out xangadix and again nobody knows that it's from this movie or what the hell it is they just call it the baby and then he yells that everybody has to kneel for the baby and he holds it up and all these teenagers fall to their knees and bow to it it's like the weirdest thing. First of all, seeing like teenagers bow to something in general is weird. And then realizing that they're bowing to Xangadix. Yeah, I was like, when I, the funny thing is at the very end, I was like, why is he calling it the baby? <laughs> I was like, why? It's Xangadix. Or Xangadix. He, does, he has no idea. He doesn't know what it is. He just got it. And he's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> he happens to have this thing, too. That's yeah. the crazy thing. Yeah. And he's also never going to part with it. Uh, and, you know, we, that's okay because he's, you know, teaching teenagers to bow to Xangadix. <laughs> did, did, were you the first to tell him or did he already knew and he just likes to call it the baby? No, I think my uh, well, my co-director, he was there for that. Um, so he was, he was, but I think he still was like, yeah, I might have seen the movie. I don't know. Somewhere down, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's just awesome. That's crazy. It's almost like yeah. a cult. No, that's the weirdest thing. Like, that's what we call Xangadix Lives. Like, it, it, it has never died in the last 25 years. In this weird, you know, small town in Holland, there's still teenagers who are adoring it. <laughs> <laughs> who are worshipping it, literally. Yep. <laughs> the, the embryo baby god. Yep. It has never really left us. <laughs> well, I love the cover of the, the documentary. It's amazing. Oh, the poster, right? Yeah, with the pink yeah. triangle. I was like, yes! yes. Yeah, I think someone did that like two weeks ago. Really? Yeah, and like like Bram sends it to me. He's like, "Are you uh, are you online?" I'm like, "Yes." I'm like, "Okay, brace yourself." And he sends it, and I like flipped out. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like I hope if yeah, it's like and yeah, I don't know. That looks great. I love posters like that. Yeah, no, exactly. Dude. And like as a filmmaker, the fact that I made something that has that poster, <laughs> that like it's, it's insane. <laughs> It's so cool. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that we get to see more out there because I think it's like, I I didn't get to see the uh, wind. What was it? The windmill? Windmill massacre. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, I started it, but I never got to finish it. I think it's even up on Netflix now. Yeah. I think it is too. So. Uh, No, like we had like Frankenstein's army is is, is really great as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't um, know actually, that was them. Actually, the guy who uh, directed Frankenstein's Army. Um, we have like in the documentary, there's drawings of what all the Johnsons would have looked like in all the versions of the script, uh, oh. and those are done by the director of Frankenstein's Army. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. That actually is pretty interesting. There. Uh, well, that's like we had like no budget and like zero B-roll. So are these just the characters like, from uh, Rudd, or are you talking about the ones from the original, the 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 Johnson Blues? Uh, no, well, we the ones that we had it made for the documentary. Okay. So okay. there's there's like uh, there's a bunch of different drawings of like this is what they would have looked like in the Johnson Blues, and this is what they would have looked like in the uh, the one the, the Dutch translation of that, and this is what they ended up looking like. That's awesome. Um, but so, yeah, no, again, we had we had no no nothing B-roll wise, so we just literally just asking anybody we knew that was creative or could draw or could sculpt or anything. Like, hey guys, can you make some pictures? Can you help <laughs> us out here? It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. You didn't. Uh, so now, are you a big fan of that movie as well? The I like Frankenstein's it a lot. Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. a pretty gory one. Yeah, For, probably the <laughs> goriest one I've seen from Holland. I, I, I eventually started to love gore. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> no, but again, also just like the the way they look is so great. Uh, and he, I don't know if you ever saw the the teaser trailers he did, the worst case scenario trailers. Yes, I remember those uh, yeah. years ago. I was so yeah. excited about that. I know, right? Those looked so good. They still look amazing. They really uh, do. That whole scene with the balloons coming over. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what that. That's what came out of it, though. Yeah, I was. Yep. I was like, yeah. man, this looks like a huge budget. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, no, that was just them them making a teaser. Uh, uh, just some really talented people getting together and making something. Wow, yeah, that's, it's funny that you bring that up. Not many people know that. So Yeah, still on YouTube. Look them up. Worst case scenario. They're amazing. Yeah, now I remember the, the video coming out on how many people were freaking out about it because uh, <laughs> I was blown away by it too. I was like, yes, let's yeah. mo- let's do this. Well, now uh-huh. you, you said that you like, so you're into practical effects now a little bit. Yes. If you had to pick a couple of movies that you really admire the uh, practical effects from, what would you pick? Oh, wow. Uh, the Thing? Oh, yes. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the epitome, I think, for me. <laughs> yeah. It has yeah, no yeah. form, so. Yeah. God, that movie's creepy as hell as well. It's I, awesome. I got chills the first time I saw that guy put the paddles into his chest. Yeah. Uh, that probably probably marked me for life when I saw that <laughs> as a child. <laughs> Just imagine how your life would have been if you hadn't seen all these movies. <laughs> I know. I'm such a I'm such a bad person now too for seeing all these things. <laughs> I feel pretty well adjusted, so I don't know where the idea that these things can ruin people's lives come from. <laughs> I agree. I feel like they've enlightened me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you again for coming on. Guys, please follow all the Zangadeeks Liz pages below and uh you know, definitely stick around for when we talk about the movie ourselves. Thank you so much again for coming on, Ifke. Yeah, of course. That was a lot of fun. Yes, thank you and so much. If I can much. talk about movies, I'm in. All right, guys, we're back from the interview, and I want to go ahead and thank you again, Ifke, for coming on this show. Uh, it was a really great pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to seeing that freaking movie that you know I love. It's gonna be. It sounds amazing, guys. If you support this, sound off in the comments, please, because somehow we should make this happen. Somehow, 
Kickstarter, something. But uh, thanks again, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now, we're going to do our flesh and potatoes, so we're mixing things up this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Johnsons, just the one movie this time, and uh, we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Alright guys, we're back, and now it's time to talk about the Johnsons, since we did the interview. Um, The Johnsons came out in 1992, and it is about an ancient embryo deity that's out looking for love. When seven septumblets are born, things go from bad to worse. In this heartwarming tale of incest and finger painting. (laughs) Uh, No, actually... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, some of the uh, actually the story is an ancient embryo deity is held and guarded many years ago in an egg it is foretold that this unborn baby will have seven septuplet sons who will ravage their sister and that child will bring hell on earth (laughs) it's a it's a dutch film with a fairly interesting background, as you probably found out from the interview we did with Ifka. And I'll tell you what, like, there's not many films in Holland, as you already heard, about horror. It's kind of like a, a no-no in a way. It's not a no-no, but it's a, why would you do that? Right. Uh, so hopefully this... taboo. Yeah, it is a little taboo for them. Um, you want to go ahead and start kick off some of that? Sure. So this was directed by Rudolf Vanderberg, who is probably well known for his movies um, Bastille in 1984. He did more like documentary films okay. in his early career. So this is why it was a big stark change for him to take on this movie. A couple of others that he did in this, uh, another called Stranger at Home, Evenings, The Cold Light of Day. He's done a little bit more recent stuff. 2016, he did a movie called A Real Vermeer which I believe is the English version of it, not right. the Dutch name. Completely different stuff than this movie, too, by the way, different. guys. Yeah, this is his first shot at a genre film, so right. specifically horror. So he got a lot of shit for it, which... There's definitely, there was a lot of issues with yeah. this because of it. <laughs> and we'll we'll get into that more in the trivia. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, it was written originally by Rocco Simonelli and Roy Frumkiss, who wrote The Document of the Dead, Street Trash, The Substitute, and he also acted as the melted businessman in Street Trash. Oh, really? He was the guy that got the shit on his face. Yeah. He's also the pie in the face zombie, the one, the first one in the Dawn of the Dead that got smacked with the pie in the face. That's fucking awesome. That they almost cut out of the film. That's crazy. So, but Rocco Simonelli also helped write The Substitute, and he helped direct The Sweet Life. But, uh... That like she said, the movie was rewritten and for Vanderberg by Leon De Winter, who uh, he did Hoffman, Hungerford, and De Grins, uh, which are some films out there. We have a lot of the cast in here. There's a there's a few. We're not going to go over every single one of them, but we'll do a couple like four. Okay, so we'll start it off with who was the main, pretty much the main actress. Um, one of them, I should say, was Monique. Vanderven, who plays Victoria Lucas, um, who's the mom, or the traveling photographer. She was in such films as Turkish Delight, Starsky and Hutch, the TV series in 1978, which I thought was pretty cool. 
She was also in Burning Love, The Assault, Iris, and Amsterdam. And she was also in a she was a director uh, for a movie called Summer Heat in like 2008, which I haven't seen. Right. Yeah, I think she direct she directed three movies. I think actually. She, oh yeah, she has. But yeah, that was her big that one. That was the big one. Yeah. yeah. She's had a very extensive career. And is her daughter was Emily Lucas, who is the daughter that plays in this, and she was uh, relatively new to the whole thing. She's been in a lot of other movies since then, but that this is what started her career. Uh, and she's been in a lot of other movies, but she's also done Tropic of Emerald, The Tech Files, The Delivery, and quite a few others. Uh, Good Coast, uh, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it was a TV show. It also stars Kenneth Hurtigain. Some of these I'm I'm, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing, but he was in a lot of TV shows. He was in uh, Unit 13. He was also in Shelf Shelf, which is another TV series. Malaika. And uh, also recently he was in a movie called Two Little Italians. He played a character named Milky. Um, also, Brittany's got one. So it also starred Rick Von Ufflin, who plays DeGroff, who has been in such works called The Sunday Child, Debunker, Called to the Bar, Old Tongues, and a ton of other movies. A lot of TV stuff, TV series, acting, TV movies, and then a lot of other major films too, but... Mostly in the 90s to now, it's a lot of TV work Okay, that he's done. But he's credited with like over 60 pieces, so he's been busy too. Okay. Well, <laughs> now I'm pretty busy. Now I'm super curious because this was your first time watching it. It was my... I've, I've, uh, I've owned this. I had to re-buy it actually, but go ahead. What did you think? I really liked it. Yeah? It was fun and it was visually really, really appealing. The special effects were fantastic. I was super impressed by it because it was all like hands-on practical effects it wasn't any like you know they didn't use studio magic cgi and shit like that when they <laughs> right did it, so and i liked the story i thought the story was really cool it's weird right <laughs> like really fucking weird and i feel like there's a lot of um kind of convoluted ideas um because it's like an indian tribe or yeah whatever, i forget the name it was like zircato the dad's like Voodoo, Mercatal Indians, Mercatal Indians. Like yeah, yeah, I believe that's what it is. Um, but it's like the Mercatal Indian tribe in like Africa. But then the and then the professor's dad. <laughs> that's a big part of it. Is like a voodoo priest, right? Yeah, that was. <laughs> but he, and he's con- he's calling the shots. Like he controls the whole thing and helps to, like debunk the mystery and solve all the problems and shit. And and I'm like, so wait, is it like what is going on? Is this like is he a witch doctor? Is this voodoo or is this yeah? What is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's it's a little kind. It's a little confusing when you look at it in that aspect. But overall, I mean, it's a really it's a really cool story, and they did a lot with it, and they. So they took a pretty simple concept and they ran with it and they ran with it in a good way. Yeah. So it didn't get stupid. Like I thought it was pretty brilliant. Okay. Um, and I, I loved a lot of the, vi- like I said, the visuals were really cool. I love the whole concept of the seven brothers and how they chose them because it, it's interesting when, you know, you get further into the trivia about it of how like they came to settle on that final, like how they chose to, to do the, the characters or the final seven characters and how it wasn't, you know, it was it was really interesting. I felt like it was really strong for them to choose that because they were menacing looking. They were terrifying looking. Like it's something that's something you would be afraid of coming after you. And so it was really cool. And I love the relationship between the mom and 
the daughter. Yeah, they're really good together. Really yeah. great. They have a really, really great chemistry, um, and which you can feel and it's believable. It doesn't feel like they're acting or overacting by any means. It just feels natural. So it's it's a crazy, weird story about incest and a satanic embryo <laughs> that's taking over the world. But at the but, same time, it's a mother daughter bonding story. Right, and it's it's done very tastefully. Exactly. Yeah, like more <laughs> like, tastefully than it sounds. Almost they handle incestual fucking behavior very tastefully. And right. It's like, well, there's no real well, how like. How do you do that? You don't. It's not like they're in a house together hanging out. Yeah, and stuff, and there's but... a bunch of dicks, which was also. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't hate it. I was like, tit or tits, <laughs> dicks, ha, ah! dicks everywhere. I was like, there's seven dicks. Friday and slip. <laughs> uh, I love tits too, so it's fine. Um, I'll be happy with either. <laughs> do you have anything else to add to that, or no? I overall, I was really impressed with the story, and I mean, it lived up to the hype that. I got from you talking okay. about it incessantly over the last like wow. million years that I've known you. Well, it's a couple of months now. <laughs> I mean, I might have mentioned been a while. it, but yeah, there's not <laughs> many people that really. Uh, there, I, I, a lot of the people that I know that have seen this movie are not too. A lot of people that I know that are like, well, it was okay. Like, oh, that was better than okay. You I know, really liked it. It's really weird though because for me, when I first saw the movie, I ordered it from like a VHS place called uh, Video Junkies back in the day, which was like one of those they like, would like recopy stuff that you couldn't get anymore. And uh, when I heard, you know, Embryo God, Seven Septuplets, and the story. I was like, what the fuck? So I kind of had to like, because with these video places, you would literally just know the cover. They would show you like this black and white cover of the cover. You could, they would, this guy would break it down the best way that he could say, kind of like a review in a way, but like a paragraph. And then, uh, and then you would pick movies based on that and you would send this to this guy and you would get them weeks later. Uh, But that's, that was my first experience of seeing this as I found it through there and I got it. And I have to admit, when I first saw this, I was not blown away. But I had also remembered it had moments in the film that I had kind of forgotten about and realized that I really liked. So, um, especially that there's a... I mean, how can you forget that there's an embryo baby god? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's super different than you would expect. The story surrounding it is even more odd. Um, watching it again, though, for probably the, I don't know, sixth time now, I've actually had a lot, a long, long break in between, and I had sold off a lot of my collection years ago because I was, I needed the money, uh, and that was one of the movies that saw that. And then seeing it again, I had a better, a much better experience this time than I think I had in the past. It's not that I didn't enjoy it necessarily before. I kind of feel like I really sunk into it this time around. And if you look at it as more of a omen thriller sort of in a way, you get a better appreciation, I think, for it. Than you would if you go, oh, embryo God, you know, like, what the fuck Stupid. is that all about? Right. Yeah. Um, Count it out before you even get into the story. It's not a gore fest, but it, it does have some really good uh, fair share of gore in it. There is a sufficient amount of gore. Right. It's really well it's balanced. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. That's the difference is it's, it is well balanced, but it's all done really well and it's placed where it should be placed. Mm-hmm. And this, it also has a lot of like really strongly tense moments that are like, you know, like your little jump scare type moments or whatever too, but it's not overdone and it works. Yeah. It's all believable. So that's, that's the thing that I liked a lot about it is like you feel this whole, you feel what they do. Like they're, be, you know, you feel like you're being hunted 
which is right. what they're they are. That's what's happening to them is they're being hunted by these fucking lunatics that are trying to fuck their fourteen year old sister. <laughs> well, which you don't really find out towards the end. Yeah, kind of. But well, I mean, no, it's like the middle of the movie. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it really doesn't come full circle, that whole situation. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. At first, I'm like, who are these weird dudes with these clay masks, and why are they all trying to fuck her sacrificially? I don't understand. Well, and as you guys <laughs> and then may- they get into it. <laughs> and as you may have heard in the, you know, in the interview or caught on to it a little bit, it was a mention- It was originally supposed to be a black comedy, so you can, watching it again after, after seeing it and- and then watching the documentary after really kind of helped paint a, a really better picture for me a little bit to understanding it. And the moments they had a little, there was a little humor in this, you yeah, know, like there was a quite a yeah. bit of humor. It was like a, it's like an all around entertainment film. Like this was a big budget production in, in Holland. So. Oh, for a genre film. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it can be, I think it can be for a casual viewer and it's also accessible to those who don't, you know, they don't seek deep necessarily, but it's also accessible to those who are looking for some like cool, weird gore shit too. So um, I think the concept is pretty out there. It's rather, it's done very tastefully. So what I mean that is it's tame compared to what it may, the story may sound like, although it is still got some really crazy kind of like what the fuck moments. I always compare the baby in it to uh, Shaw Brothers films a little mm. bit. Like it just feels like that the, the the like baby itself was like pulled pulled from that. So, but I think I think it, it's I kind of want to see what the the version of the the other version would have been like. Just out of I definitely out of curiosity, I'm kind of curious. I wish I could oh, see it. Oh, the original, yeah. Right, but I wouldn't want to no, like, trample over it. Yeah, but it's written by the guy who did Street Trash. One of the guys. Yeah. So go figure that it's this like all out there crazy fucking adventure from the guys who did Street Trash. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the original sound, like the original version of it sounds like a ridiculous fucking cinematic ride. Well, we can jump into that right now, actually, so, if you want. Sure. I mean, uh, Roy Frumpkiss, which I'm talking about from the Street Trash and Rocco Simonelli, they got the idea from a clan of hillbillies that lived just outside of New York the City. John. Was it the, oh. They called them. They called them the Jackson Whites. Jackson Whites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this was like, and this is what we're pulling a lot of this information from is from the documentary Zangadix Lives, which uh, Ifka directed, co-directed, and it is super interesting. Like, there is a lot of really cool stuff in this film, guys. Like, I, I almost feel bad, like even pulling some of the trivia from it. So I kind of cherry picked a few things yeah. because I didn't want to go too far. Um, but we'll we'll kind of try to give you an idea because hopefully she can get her documentary out there and you guys can see it. Um, because I feel really, I feel honored that we got to see it. We're literally one of the only people that got to see it out here. Yeah, and it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm. They may have given it to somebody else, but literally, they were finishing up the subtitles, and when they finished it, they gave it to us, which is really cool. Super cool. Um, so I feel honored. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> and it was so fucking awesome. <laughs> like I want everybody to see it. It was so cool. But I mean, we do have to kind of tell you a little bit about it. And the original story, the hillbillies that lived in the woods outside of New York, was real. That's it's a real, real thing. Yeah, yeah, these are like really uh, deformed people that uh, committed incest with each other all the time. They're so deeply inbred, right? Because they just fuck each other. That's it. Like they and fuck they even everybody. said <laughs> their that whole family. It's like a whole village of these people. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a clan. It's, it's like a, a hillbilly. Giant hillbilly clan. So they have basically it's their own little city of. 
their own family that they all just sleep with each other and make more babies. And they're all like the further and further down the incestual line that it goes, the more deformed each person comes out. You know, and and they show these really cool fucking clay heads in the documentary that, like, someone, like, molded, and they're fucking amazing. Yeah, they look pretty cool, It looks so cool, and they're so creepy, and it's uncomfortable, and I'm like, oh, my God. But, yeah, those are real fucking people that they base this after. It's a really cool story. And the original writers of the Johnsons here, the guys that first wrote this story, they were really scared of these people. Like, this was, yeah. like, a, a real thing in Jersey and in New York where people were, like, genuinely afraid to let the get the, the, the Jackson Whites get you. So they wanted to write a story about what happened if these guys came to New York. And so that story kind of pretty much turned into all about that. And <laughs> there was some pretty crazy shit in it. They, like, they changed the name to the Johnson Blues clan and it yeah because they didn't want them to come after him (laughs) yeah because like essentially one of the one of the clan uh somebody goes out and gets lost in the woods or something about that and then a person from the city kills one of them in the clan and the clan comes to new york to kill people and dildo police which was (laughs) i love that i love when they tell about like the things that they have them do you know the typical sightseeing type shit and then they're like and of course they've got to go to this big porn emporium you know and (laughs) and then like they're looking at these walls of dildos and like they're showing bits of the screenplay that you know the original screenplay that you're reading from and the text is coming from and it's fucking hilarious and there's like they beat a cop with a dildo and it's insane you know what it almost it's absolutely fucking crazy it kind of reminds me of u-turn isn't that the movie yeah u-turn right the one where they go out in the middle of the woods and they get a flat tire and this wrong turn. Wrong turn. Why did I say U turn? It's close. There enough. is another movie called U turn though. Probably. It's called Wrong Turn. My bad. But yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of that, almost like the reverse those. story of it. Yeah. So. I've done a lot of those. The first one to me is really good, but I wasn't really able to get into the Yellow Woods as much. So, I know that they tried to eventually go the like dead snow route. Oh yeah. Which was able to pull it off with their first two movies, but I don't think I don't. I haven't seen the other one, so I, I don't <laughs> only see the first one. I didn't go past anything right. else. So I was like, this is this one is enough. They were like <laughs> really bad nineties, yeah. like uh, this is the one with the trucker, films. right? Yeah, I think even yeah, Henry Karen, Rollins Karen. is in one Isn't of them. Is it that one? Huh? Is it that? It's that one, right? The trucker. I don't know what you mean by trucker. Maybe I'm thinking the wrong movie. No, there's a group of kids that go out into the middle of the woods. They take a wrong turn. They run over these spikes in the middle of the road, and then they have to walk around, and then they're hunted by these fucking hillbilly people. Yeah. Who are all deformed and, like, really fucking, like, ridiculously. It's kind of like a Hills Have Eyes, but rip off. Right. In the woods. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, both of these movies, the Johnsons and that movie. Eliza in it. Yeah. I love her. So, yeah, that's right. Both of these movies are trying to pull from Deliverance in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. uh, Which they even flat out say. But apparently this all fell through. They were even going to have, like, for originally, for the original story of this, the Johnson Blues, that fell through. They were going to have Glenda Jackson, Oliver Reed were supposed to star in it. They even considered Clint Eastwood at one point in time, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I loved that. But and then they had and then this is the other interesting part, guys, like so the movie didn't get to they didn't get the script off because, I mean, obviously it's pretty weird. And I'm surprised that Street Trash even got made, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, Um, but (laughs) they they tried to get another director. I guess they sold the script off to somebody else. And then they took the script and tried to hand uh, in some director in Holland called uh, Rudd Van Hermert. 
he did a, a like a slapstick silly comedy movie that's over the top kind of adult like called Mama's Boss but I guess apparently after long periods of trying to get him on board with the producers they didn't even get to start the movie but it was like two weeks before they started the movie dude got kind of ridiculous about something and they fired him he's crazy yeah yeah like it's interesting and I I, I liked how they went about that in the documentary how they talked about it so it's just he was just insufferable to fucking work with and his methods are completely crazy i would fucking got rid of his ass too it seemed like it seemed like he just had his own vision he wanted to change the movie he wasn't a big enough director to really wanted, pull that off yeah he wanted to do it his own way right he wasn't getting his way so he would do anything he could to sabotage it basically yeah and you see him like his vision of what what it was and like there's like three different transitions this movie's gone through yeah so after he got fired they were in some they were like they had all the money got approved from all these producers. They were in a fucking bind. So they, I guess one of the people that was a producer had mentioned or talked to one of the famous director out there, Rudolf Van Der Berg, and offered to work. He kind of offered to work jokingly, like, well, you know, I don't have any work, so if yeah. you need anybody. I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing anything <laughs> right now. Yeah. Just jokingly, and then they they called him up and asked him to do it. And when they read the story, you could tell that he was like, yeah, this no. isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dildoing police officers. Uh, Fuck no. <laughs> there's a lot more to the story. I didn't want to spoil it to yeah, you. We they, they, yeah, we'll ruin it. Right. Yeah. They, they, tell, they tell a whole lot. But it is interesting because he was like talking to his friend. He was like, yeah, this isn't my movie. Like, I, I don't know if I could do this. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just ask him if you can rewrite it? Yeah. And then the guy he brought on board that completely like rewrote the screenplay. Yeah. And like, like what did he say? It was two weeks. Yeah. Some shit? I think yeah. it was. Yeah. And he took this crazy, fun, bizarre fucking original story. Comedy. Comedy. Yeah. And then flipped it and turned it into this like. This horror movie is kind of still a, a dark comedy horror flick, right? Um, but then gave it a lot of substance, right? Um, so that honestly, I, they feel like they they did this movie a service, right? Big time, and I'm glad that they allowed them to change it. Whether I mean, I would like the original to be done. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I would feel too. Like they in should, a way, I they, feel like, bad saying that, but I feel like it's perfect for like trauma to jump on that because they would rock the shit out of it, uh, but. Uh, I don't know if I'd want trauma to do it necessarily, but I think it, something similar. Like I think it could be done with a, a decent budget, like someone yeah, like the I'm, person who did Cooties or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm surprised they haven't found someone in America that would jump right on that original story. Well, Universal owns it, ah. so but uh, it, it so they finally did get it out. The the director got a lot of criticism because you guys got to picture this, okay? This guy's a prestigious director, art house films yeah. primarily in these documentaries. Yeah, like his films are like all substance, deep shit. It, yeah, yeah, like and like people like revere as this guy is a, like a really like established director, and he's picking up what they consider to be bullshit genre crap. Like you know, like we, you guys know, you you guys listening, and anybody that's listening. You know how the horror genre is treated all over the place. It's no different, you know what I mean? For the redheaded stepchild. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> nobody takes it. It's not like it's at the Oscars or anything like that. Like, we get the, the fringe, the fringe horror stuff at the We've Oscars. We've been lucky to get into 
right. Oscars in it's any so, way, shape, or form. It's in so the last weird to me. I guess it's just not a horror is not a completely accepted by everyone. Yeah, unless you're Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't even know if that's <laughs> he horror. He gets into the Oscars. That's, that's just fish fucking romance. Well, I'm talking like Pan, well, Pan's Labyrinth won a metric fuck ton of awards too. Right, when, but that's more Pan's like a fable. Out. That's a that's fantasy, fantasy movie, but yeah. it's fantasy horror. But see, it's a fringe. It's a fringe it is, version. You're right. Yeah. It's not straight horror. Like right. a straight horror, like Get Out was probably the first. And even that's in a fringe, long time. But that's, that's more leaning thriller. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you're right. There's, like crime thriller. Well, are we whatever. ever going to see um, a fucking Leatherface or Friday the Thirteenth at the Oscars? <laughs> fucking probably not. <laughs> That'd be great because I feel that they're just as worthy as anything else because a lot of fucking depth and substance goes into making these movies too. Actors are just as sacrificial to on themselves as they are with anything else. Well, and you know but, what's funny? A lot of the movies that get picked at the Oscars, by the way, and I know we're derailing this a lot right now, but a lot of the movies that get you know thrown out of the Oscars or picked at the Oscars, I should say, or at, that are picked at the Oscars typically aren't always like they're good films. But they're not cult films. You know what I mean? Like people that oh, like one-offs. plaster yeah. posters all over their fucking walls. Yeah. T-shirts, lunch boxes. Like this isn't that kind of, you know, film. It's like, oh, yeah, that was really well done. But I don't really care about watching it again. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not saying that all of them are bad. I'm not trying to put down movies, but I'm just saying like to me, there's something to be said that if someone devotes their entire life to a film and speaking of which in the Johnsons, there are some mega fans of this movie. I I didn't even know this existed. First of all, I didn't know many people that even knew this movie. So I was a little surprised to see that. That was really cool. That was my favorite part of the documentary or the two people that they bring in. Yeah, like they, they have these like outsider perspectives and but connections. Right. And why they have these connections to the movie. And I thought it was really fucking cool. And I, I loved that. It's I, like I loved a lot it. of kids really got affected by this movie and thought it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't think I ever experienced the terrifying feeling from it or anything like that. Uh, I could see, you know, how it could be terrifying for people, though. Uh, but this being a kid and being scared. Right. And and there, I don't want to ruin some of the stuff in the in the uh, the the uh, documentary. documentary because I want you guys to see it. And I, I have confidence that it will either be included in hopefully the Blu-ray like we talked about a little bit and or. You know, some sort of like release online, Amazon, Netflix, something like that, because I just I think it deserves to be seen. But um, but I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff like that. You were saying that the connection between the mother and the daughter were really good. Um, Did you And you remember the part in the the documentary? They talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah. They talk about it pretty in depth, actually. And and how um, Monique approached Esme. Right. Basically, and was like, I'm you're going to be my daughter for the next you know, four months or however long they filmed right. for. And she invited her over for like sleepovers and they went on shopping like, dates and they actually developed this relationship. And, um, I thought it was, I thought she just invited her the night before they actually shot. Probably. To spend but they the still night. Had but maybe the same, I missed that. They still had this, they had this connection throughout the entire film, film though, because Worked. she basically treated her like her daughter right. on camera and off. Think about that for a second. Like, would you just go to some random actor's house? You know, depends on who know, the actor like, is. I know. And I'm sure like, you but yeah, know. I probably would. <laughs> Do you know what it. I mean? Like, what, cool. what if you went over there and they're all like laying on the bed with like liniments and like Rose roses petals. and shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if it's like really awkward? You're just like, that'd be great. Yeah. 
I'm like the queen of awkward. Like, <laughs> I would make it more awkward. So I'm going to be your mommy for a little while. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to call my actual yeah. mom, you crazy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no. Like, that's why, I, that's what I said that I really enjoyed. One of the things I liked so much about it was that it did feel organic. Um, and that was why. And I like that they actually explained that in the documentary as to why it felt so organic is because it basically was as organic as it could actually be is that they were physically mother and daughter. Yeah. So they did a really good job. They had a good bond. Um, I liked it. And okay. I, and I really liked them talking about the, the guy that played the professor talking right. about how he's like the Indiana Jones <laughs> or he's right. like an Indiana Jones type character and I'm like he totally is and they, they were saying they were like <laughs> he was eating it up like, oh fuck yeah they like, were like he, he really loved the part he was, like, he was fantastic yeah he was really good he was my good favorite character in the entire in, in all of it he was my favorite yeah he was fucking he was pretty, yeah, he him and his good. dad and I'm like Jesus yeah his dad was funny it's like it's funny because like in the movie they like his dad's like this shaman of some sort he's and a uh, witch doctor. <laughs> yeah, like and he fucking uh he does some weird shit like in the middle of like them searching for some sort of documents or something like that. He comes in to give them like spiritual like help. Uh, to find the documents because they were going through like millions of papers. There was another time that he was like, <laughs> it's just like embarrassing things for the other guy. But it's like you can kind of tell because it kind of makes you wonder if like the dad is kind of like a snake oil salesman. Yeah. In the beginning. But then you realize that he's for real. He's not just bullshit. Yeah. Like <laughs> he really knows his shit, you know, because he's kind of the guy that's like trying to tell everybody to like not like he's trying to like burn all the documents about this baby because his son is doing the research for this stuff to try to figure out what happened and like what this is all about. And they had this like she's what was it a suitcase or like a big it's old like big crate, big crate full of stuff that someone likes off a ship. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a big wooden crate that they would stow away a bunch of shit on a ship. Right. Um. So he yeah. does like this archaeological. Yeah, because he's a he's a professor of. You know, like ancient tribes and religion and shit is what his teaching was. Okay. But that was his job. That's like in relics and stuff like that. So that's why he knew all about, you know, this tribe and this specifically and whatever. And then the chick, she was like another teacher, I'm assuming. She's another professor. <laughs> like, which I thought was funny because I love that the dad like got her under his spell and like she became like his like assistant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they kept yeah. Calling well, her the wrong name the entire like, time. And it was like, his lover. His lover. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. And she like looks completely different, and it was I don't. It was really funny. That was just a little fun like side character action that was entertaining. Right. That you have to like. I don't know. You have to appreciate it. <laughs> well, what do you think? Uh, what are some of your favorite scenes? Oh, one of my favorites is more towards the middle. And, and by the so way, guys, this is the spoilery part. So oh, yeah. if you don't want to hear past this and you want to see the movie, you can find it online on uh, Amazon. You can buy, I think, the DVD. But it is a little bit harder to come by now. So, uh, but yeah, what do you think? What are some of your scenes? Well, my f my favorite 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 scenes more towards the middle. So I don't know if you want me to jump that far. But, okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> okay, so the brothers are out of like their holding or whatever, the jail cell. They broke out of it, and now they've followed the mom and the daughter back to their, ho their house. Um, and they've somehow found them and gotten there. They're in the apartment, and um, they're trying to get to them. And then the professor has caught on to everything 
and now he's going to try and help them, right? Right. So he's in the apartment and he's trying to look for them and he sees um, the blood that's on the wall and this, the embryo symbol and everything. And so he's like still trying to find them in the house and then he gets attacked from behind by one of the brothers. And so there's this whole like battle scuffle. ensues. A scuffle, yeah, yeah. kerfuffle or whatever between them. Um, and then he finally like gets the better of the dude and then ends up launching him across the room head first into a television. Right. And then he's like, he sees the remote over on the table and is like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, so he grabs <laughs> this remote and he turns it on and then the television blows up so it explodes the fucking dude's head and shit, right? And the best part is the camera turns to the professor and he fucking like takes the remote and blows on it like, like yeah, it like, yeah, like gun. a gun, yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> I lost that, my fucking that, shit. I'm I like, think that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. So good. Like that's my that's my favorite scene in the entire. It's not my favorite kill, but it's my favorite scene in particular. Oh, that's my that favorite kill and scene and everything. Brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was just awesome. And I don't, I don't. You know, it's weird. I fucking forgot about that part too. Really? Yeah, it's been a while. Like, and I don't know why I forgot that part. I don't know. Um, I loved it. There was a couple of really cool scenes. I think one of the other gore scenes in the movie that I really liked is when she takes the uh, carving knife yeah. and sticks it through the door, and it goes in one of his in through one of his eyes and out through the other side of his head. His temple out his temple, yeah. Which I really loved. I thought the graphics on that, like the the special effects on that, were really cool. They were great. Yeah, yeah. They built like this whole fucking like head. It's right. all like separate head in order to do that. So it's all practical. Like all the effects that they did, they like, they built everything, which is f- fucking awesome. Like I love that shit. And I, and then the other scene would be probably the end without trying to spoil too much. But oh yeah, the first kill scene is really great too. Oh the the head chop. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I love when, she, when she's talking about when they filmed that. Um, that there was a there was a person standing by, a crew member standing by off the side. Um, so the moment that she takes the machete and chops off the, um, the brother's head, there's a, a crew member standing there with a dustpan and a little hand broom. Oh yeah, that's that right. Yeah. Flicks blood on her face right when she connects with the dummy head. They're all <laughs> yeah. boop, like right on her fucking face. It's, and I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. That's the, exactly the expression and everything. Yeah. Everything was so spot on. And I'm like, I love that they I love the little details like that when they talk about shit like that is fucking. Yeah, it brilliant. looks cool. It's one of the cooler uh, kills, definitely. Yeah, and then the just the all the blood. There was a couple of like all the beet juice. They had to cut. Yeah, <laughs> that too. There was a lot of they used a like a ridiculous. I think it was like five thousand liters of beet, beet juice, juice for the end for scene. The end scene yeah. yeah, that just tells you how bloody it really gets. Um, the Zangadeek's baby in general, the the, the uh, creature effects, I guess, of that were really awesome. I thought the baby was really freaky looking. Yeah, he was cute. And he was like ominous and like floating around behind like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the key is never show him fully. Right, yeah, they kept saying that, yeah, like, <laughs> don't show him all the way, just a little bit here and there. Keep him guessing. That's what keeps it ominous. Yeah. <laughs> like, cute. I think, smart. I think right. it, I think it was a better movie this time around for me. Uh, I was really excited uh, to see it again because I hadn't in so long. So I was. I think I was just a way more attentive than I normally would be. Uh, you know, and I didn't have to you know take notes too too much other than just my favorite scenes because we were going to be watching the documentary anyway. So, right. but. Yeah, guys. I mean, if you if you want to watch something that's a little bit more on the mainstream side in a way that is doing kind of not mainstream ideas, 
uh, with a really kind of deep kind of story about like weird shit about brothers trying to find. Yeah, it's like a taboo concept, but it's built into. But it's done like on a mainstream story. budget. Yeah. yeah, like or and every. Yeah, it was like an expensive movie for them. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's crazy. So but they have a lot of layers. It's yeah, I thought with a there's, lot of layers. there's a lot of depth in like. And the their mystery sort of unravels as the story goes, which, you know, you watch some of these movies and they're, you kind of just have to take them for face value. But this movie does have some actual depth and they they do break out little hints in here and there about certain things that pay off in the end. Absolutely. So it leaves little breadcrumbs up into certain points, which is really good. Uh, when you're doing a uh, writing story. Now, some of the director or the writers, the earlier writers, Rocco uh, Simonelli and fucking Roy Frumkiss, they, <laughs> they I, you can tell that they're like, probably movie. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's their baby, not the Zanga Dicks baby, but it is their baby that they wrote and they wanted to see it come to fruition in some way. Right. And well, that's not how it always happens. But it did in some way. Right, and it almost didn't happen. This movie almost didn't happen like three times. Yeah. So, but it fought its little Zangadix axe, wait, ass, (laughs) (laughs) to get out there for you people to watch it, and I command you. No, I'm kidding. I command you. (laughs) A little baby embryo worked real hard. What do you think, Brittany? What is your final thoughts on this? Uh, I can't wait to watch it again with Mouse. Oh, you're going to watch it with him? Okay. So I want him to watch it. Because as soon as I like barely described what it was about, he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's probably going to be like, what the fuck? I think he's going to really like it, actually. So I I really enjoyed it. I feel like he's really going to enjoy it because usually we have the same opinions about stuff. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're complete polar opposites. He loves something and I want to stab him because it's terrible or vice versa. But I feel like he's really going to enjoy it. Um, This is definitely something that I would watch again, will watch again. I had a lot of fun with it. I liked it a lot more than I anticipated that I was going to. Um, we've already discussed that it actually does have depth for the story. They did a fantastic job. You know, they had to make a lot of changes to be able to make the movie that they wanted to make, and they finally did it. And for a country that has very few, very few horror films right. to its name, I'm glad this is one of them that they can call theirs. Yeah, we almost, I was almost going to suggest, by the way, uh, like doing two movies, like um, The Windmill. I wanted to see that. Which is actually, on Netflix. The Windmill Massacre, yeah. right? Yeah, it's called The Windmill, Mas- Windmill Massacre, but it's also called The Windmill. The Windmill, okay. Yeah. I Actually, they call it The Windmill out here. Yeah. And it's also labeled as, uh, it's although it's labeled, I think, on IMDb as The Windmill Massacre. I think so. I can't yeah. remember. But they had to change it for some reason, probably because there was other, like, trademarked names sure. in the country or something. Probably. And then I know, well, Human Centipede is from there. Right. But, yeah. Yes, that's another one. Which yeah. is fucking bonkers to me that they're just like, we barely have any horror movies because it's just shit shit genre or what up what the fuck ever but yeah the one that they're gonna put money into to make is the human centipede hey man some of that sometimes when you you know when society suppresses a certain thing some of the craziest shit just, comes out of it right and that's just one of the things like and I, y'all are gonna be able to watch this documentary at some point i'm just willing it to happen but yeah when they talk about how fucking like the process and how difficult it is to make this type of a genre film in that country that's why it's so mind-blowing to me that like the human centipede is what we get right yeah out of these mo- i'm like what the fuck or like, the johnson what a jump like you know what and I mean? like like you wouldn't think you go that- from like d-lift to right. the johnson's well even still like 
just just the fact that like in in American cinema, if there was a baby and an egg, <laughs> like <laughs> that would never be taken in any way, shape, or form seriously whatsoever. Right. You know what I mean? It would it would be a horror movie, maybe in like the seventies, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe you might be right because I mean I've seen early eighties. What was that fucking movie? Um, oh shit! Like seventies, early early eighties, but not in the nineties. There's no way. There's been enough of fucking crazy. There was shit. that one where the guy like has a robot, like a really smart robot, and then it starts taking over his home and then creating a baby that he takes DNA from this girl, from this pregnant wife and shit. What? It's fucking amazing if you haven't seen it, dude. I fucking love that movie. I haven't... We haven't watched it, and we probably should. It's a really that good movie. Great. Yeah, it's really that. good. But I can't remember. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, you, we need to watch that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, I can't think of it what its name is. I'm so sorry, guys. If I, I think like of it, I, I'll cut it in. I feel like I probably know. Uh, it sounds kind of familiar, but at the same time, it doesn't. So. Yeah. But yeah, back to the Johnsons, guys. Uh, I definitely think if you can, try to ch- check it out and see for yourself. I don't think it's going to hit everybody. It's not going to be a movie that everyone likes uh, all the time. I think it's uh, it's different. It's unique. There's not really anything like it. Um it it plays to the mainstream crowd as well as a little bit of the underground too. So it's got like this weird mix of like entertainment. Yeah. I think it'll split people a little bit. So, but for what it is, it is a unique movie uh, with a with actually a pretty impressive fan base. So yeah, I think you should check it out. I mean, and there's a documentary about it too, so that says something, right? And a really good one. Yeah, and she, Brittany, tell 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 FK. It's a really good fucking documentary. Like, I was so excited. Like, I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish, and I love that in my documentaries. Cause I really get into film documentaries, too. I do, too. too. And I really like them. Yeah. Um, especially with movies that I enjoy. Right. There you go. And That's even if it's thing. a movie that I don't like, then right. that'll, that can sometimes tend to sway me in another direction if it's a good documentary. and. And then I can really understand what goes into or what went into making the movie. And then I can be like, okay, well, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. You know, and that's I, I love documentaries, period. Like, that's one of my favorite types of films to watch. Um, but this was just really fucking well done. Right. It is written great. It's directed great. It is just beautiful. Like, all the transitions they do in there and how they tell the story. And the cover for it is fucking it's sick. The name, everything. It. Like, yeah. they just did a really fucking great job. And I want everybody to be able to see it because I am so excited that I was able to watch it. And... It's just brilliant. One of the things that I got to mention, too, by the way, guys, before we hang this up, and Ifka actually wrote me and uh, told me this through email because she forgot to mention it, but at the end of the movie, do you remember the music at the very end? It was like this Caribbean-style music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and it was like really happy and upbeat in a way. Like, it was weird. It was weird, right? Yeah, well, it was a little misplaced. So apparently they couldn't fit this into the documentary. So even in the documentary, this is not known like for the extra tidbits of information. And this is what she wrote me. She said, you know, that reggae-ish Zangadix song that plays over the end credits of the film that feels totally random and sounds like nothing else in the movie. Well, it was composed by Kenneth Hurtigain, who plays Professor Keller. And the movie was supposed to have an extra end credit scene or like a, at the end of the movie a scene in which the dad and Angela get married and everyone is all happy and in love. And uh, she said during the wedding party, the band would be playing this song because clearly no (laughs) wedding is complete without a song about a demonic embryo God that just tried to kill you. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they ended up in uh, where it is now. She says she's huge, uh, hugely obsessed about that. So, uh, but yeah, guys, that's it for today. Uh, we have a jam packed for you today episode for you this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing Britney's picks uh, for two movies that she wants to talk about, and they are... We're going to do Hobo with a Shotgun and The Greasy Strangler. So, those are Britney's those picks. Those are my birthday picks, bitches. <laughs> so, we're going to be tossing around, seeing whether or not we're going to do two episodes next week. Uh, I think that we're going to try to keep it to maybe once a week or once a month. Uh, where we do two or something like that. I don't know. We're still trying to iron it out. There's just so much going on right now that I'm desperately trying to do. I've got, like, the thing is, is I write music, right? But I've been doing this podcast for so long, I haven't been, you know, nursing that music side of me as much. Uh, it. I started writing a bunch of stuff recently, so it's coming back to me. So I just need that to get the ball rolling. But anyway... But yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming by this week. I hope you have an amazing rest of the week. And of course, we'll be back on Monday. If you haven't already, make sure you follow us on longlivethevoid.com. You can find any of our social media. You can sign up for the VIP club that we have and win free shit. We're still going to be doing a contest here soon. We've just been, it's just been on hold for a little bit and we want to get more people in. So if we can get like 10 more people on the club, we can do a fucking giveaway for you guys for like a $20 gift card. So, uh, just for listening to us. So Prizes. yeah, let Yay. your friends know they're like, hell no, I want to win that card. I'm not telling anybody. I'm telling nobody. <laughs> But if you haven't already, do it. All we do is we send out like one, maybe two emails a week. It's just only to let you know when we got an episode up and nothing more. And maybe let you know a little bit of extra information uh, for you guys. Plus, it enters you into the contest. So, but We're less annoying than all your other spam emails. Right, yeah. We're not going to like just overwhelm you. And by the way, if you put that spam into spam, it automatically removes you from the club. So just so you know, we had a couple of people do that. And I'm like, like right as they signed up. And I was like, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how any of this works. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming by this week. And stay weird, monsters. 